Welcome to the Millennium Beat Podcast, where you're going to hear inspirational stories from around the world. Now get ready to be inspired, uplifted, and leave with a positive attitude with your host, Kevin James. On the phone, I have Jerry West from Jerry West Ministries. Jerry comes from a long line of pastors and ministers of the gospel, one of which is Jonathan Edwards, The Great Awakening. Jerry and his wife, Valerie, are the founders of Jerry West Ministries, a multi-dimensional ministry. He is an ordained minister and has been in ministry for well over 30 years. His first years were spent working in a local church in Orlando, Florida, and 10 years were spent with a team called the Strike Force, a Keith Craft Ministry, and the Power Team. He is a national and international known speaker who has spoken to millions of people in churches, schools, conferences, and major events, and have been featured on national and international television such as TBN and Daystar. His unique approach and insight to the Word of God, along with his humor, will challenge every congregation to dream bigger and reach for more of what God has for them. Jerry and Valerie have been married for 36 years. They have two children and three grandchildren. For the first 13 years, the West hosted the Southern Florida edition of the Trinity Broadcasting Network Praise the Lord Show program in Fort Pierce, Florida. Jerry was diagnosed with a terminal blood cancer in 2005. He had a long and hard battle with it. Now, let's start our show. On the phone today, I have a good old friend that I've known for many years. His name is Jerry West, and he's the founder of Jerry West Ministries. Jerry, thanks for joining us today. Kevin, it's always a pleasure. It's good to hear your voice. Thank you. And not to confuse people, it's Jerry West Ministries, not Jerry West of the L.A. Laker fame. Oh, I didn't even uh, know that. <laughs> yeah, I always get that question. Do you? I get that question. If I had a, I had a dollar for every time somebody asked me, "Are you him?" Uh, we would not be talking. <laughs> I would be in a cabin in the cabin in the mountains with Wi-Fi and a fireplace. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> but we're actually related. We're we're second cousins. Oh, are you okay? Uh, that's yes. That's the funny part. Wow. <laughs> Uh, he's the basketball player. I'm the preacher. Go figure. Uh, oh, see, I with my name Kelly. Um, I go by Kevin James as my stage name, but you know Kelly's. But I used to be a reporter for the Boston Globe, you know, Kevin Kelly, and I used to get oh, that really? once in a while. And you know, but now I go by Kevin James, and people, I always love it when they call me on the phone. Can I speak to Mr. James? I go, sorry, there's no James. <laughs> and I said, I'm he's not Kevin here. James, the comedian either, and I don't have his money. But, that's, uh, that's, but that's, that's true, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so tell us about your family, your family history. Well, I, both of my grandfathers, my, my parents, both parents, their fathers were pastors. Uh, so I'm a preacher's grandkid and they got the short end of it. My sister-in-law got on this genealogy kick about 20 something years ago. Okay. He said, this is before, you know, you can go online and find out who you're related to. And I said, you know, I said, I'm really not into that. She says, you really should. I said, okay. So I went to the library and started pulling information and is trying to find out as much as I could. And of course we had the internet, but we didn't have the search engines that were specific for, I don't know if I can mention the, their names, but, uh, focus on who you're related to. And I, more I started going back is that my dad's mother, his last name was Edwards, never gave it a second thought. Right. 
and kept looking and found out I there's two types of lineage. There's a lineage where your second cousin twice removed from your aunt's uncle's sister's boyfriend. Uh, and then and then there's the direct line or direct lineage. And I am in the direct lineage, which would be great, great, grand. I think that's I'm correct in saying it that way. Great, great, great grand nephew of Jonathan Edwards of the Great Awakening. Hmm. And if you go and Google and look up just uh, sinners in the hands of an angry God, okay. and you will, Jonathan Edwards, uh, quoted him many times in ministry and didn't even know I was related to him. Wow. Small world, huh? And yeah. You just, you never know who you're related to. And we had started in ministry in 1989 I uh, a short end uh, had a pro baseball career looking at uh, in the early 80s uh, scouted by the Dodgers hmm. and was it, that was a weird time because they were they needed pitchers and I was a utility guy I played every position but pitcher okay. now I could throw I could throw in batting practice. But if I tried to throw with some heat to it, mm -hmm. uh, I would hurt somebody. Mm -hmm. You're going to get hit somewhere. And they, the early 80s, where they, the major leagues were desperate for, for pitchers. Okay. So I didn't, didn't really didn't pan out. Went into the business world, was very successful, but uh, was called to ministry at 16 and was just uh, running from it as, as hard as I could. But, you know, I, God has a sense of humor. <laughs> go ahead, run, do whatever you want to do. Go ahead. I'm still going to be here. And when you come to the end of yourself, uh, I'll, I'll be here. And that's exactly what happened. Uh, we'll go into the details, but I'd really come to the end of myself. My wife was eight months pregnant. I said, Taurus, I can't run from God anymore. Right. And we started, uh, we were attending a church in Orlando where we lived at the time and told the pastor a little bit of my story and, well, I need workers and just jumped in working in ministry right away. And now we are getting stepped into our 31st year of ministry. Wow. I think we're, I think we're doing something right. Yeah. If you've been doing it for that many years, yeah, you're definitely doing something right. When did you start Jerry West Ministries? Uh, Officially founded in 2000, I was with Strike Force, which was a team of athletes. Mm -hmm. It was the first two teams to travel the world uh, doing the feats of strength, bending steel, tearing phone books, breaking handcuffs, crushing concrete. Oh, wow. They could be bent, blown, blown up, torn up. Uh, we did it. There was the power team, mm -hmm. and then there was Strike Force. And I was actually with both at one time. Mm -hmm. I left Strike Forest and went back to the power team. Okay. And just really had gotten tired of doing the feats of strength. Uh, you can only, it's like playing pro football. You can only do it for so long until right. it takes its toll. But yeah. it was more than just physical. It was God was shifting my season. Mm -hmm. And we founded Jerry West Ministries in August of 2000. Left Dallas, came back to Florida, uh, was an associate pastor. My wife was the pastor's secretary, kind of ran the show for him. 
Uh, and that was our beginnings as far as a, I don't like using independent because you're always covered by somebody. Right, right. But away from, away from, uh, I was in charge of the ministry. This is, you know, if it's going to happen, mm. it's going to be between God and me. Uh, it's not, I'm not working for someone else. Mm. And we founded uh, Jerry West Ministries in the year 2000. It's different. I mean, the things that you were talking about, like the power team and the strike force. Now, I don't really remember much about the strike force, but the power team name sticks out in my head for some reason. It's just, uh, I've, I don't know if I've seen it or, or seen it on TV or something, but all right. So let's move on a little bit about some of your experiences that you've had over the, over the many sure. years of ministry nationally and internationally. So let's hear some interesting stories from that time period. Well, there was, especially in the early years, uh, very interesting. Because you don't know exactly what you're walking into, but you know you're ready to do something. Oh, mm-hmm. my God, I'll do it. Well, do you really know what you're going to do? No, I don't know. But I'm going to do it anyway. Uh, I've never broken a baseball bat before, but I think I can do it. Well, I was 200, a bodybuilder, weightlifter. I was 250 pounds, 6'1", 250 uh, but when I preached my first message, I remember my very first message that I preached doing the feats of strength by myself, not with a team. I just did it on my own. Okay. And, uh, 30, uh, 30 teenagers got saved that night. Wow. Cool. And it, it progressed, uh, a pastor, I'm sorry, a youth pastor in Orlando became friends with him. Mm-hmm. And he said, I need you to help. I need your help doing street ministry. Well, I've never done street ministry. Right. He says, we're going to set up, we're going to set up on the street corner in the worst part of Orlando. <laughs> I mean, crack houses everywhere. <laughs> I don't care. I'm going to do it. And it was right after the LA riots with the whole Rodney okay. King situation. Yeah. So we had to wait a week because it was just, they said, the police said, we're not going to let you go. Right. We waited a week till things kind of simmered down. Well, I'm up. They've got this flatbed truck, uh, semi truck, and I've got concrete set up everywhere and doing all the feats of strength. And I'm so into it, I didn't even think about we could get shot. Hmm. <laughs> We're not even. I didn't even cross. Didn't even cross my mind. Yeah. And right. there are people coming up. There were people coming up, stoned, drunk. Gave the invitation. To receive Christ, over a hundred people got saved. A guy who was—I mean, he could barely stand up. He was so drunk. I remember jumping off of that truck or off of that platform, praying for him. He sobered up instantly. Wow! Uh, just saw all kinds of wild things were happening. And as we're uh, winding the night down, the police come. The police came up, and the sheriff's department came up. I said, you know, we want to thank you guys for coming out here. He said, our number of arrests the whole time, and I think we were there about three or four hours, the whole time that you guys were here, the number of arrests went down dramatically. Cool. Wow. He said, now, I just want to let you guys know that at any given time, there was probably, and he gave me the number. I can't forget, uh, I forgot the number of guns that were pointed at us to shoot us. Oh, wow. He said, but don't worry. We had twice as many pointing back at them. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I feel so, I feel so 
I, I feel great now. Right. <laughs> somebody could have somebody shot me. <laughs> <laughs> Glad you didn't know but that before still, you went on. <laughs> if I'd have known that before I went on, I would have gotten my car and went home. Uh, yeah, well, what would the Apostle Paul done? Uh, well, he didn't have a right. car. Uh, <laughs> he would have walked very fast. <laughs> he would have he would have gotten out of there as quick as he could. But there were, I mean, there were other things we had seen uh, when I was with Strike Force. We were in Mexico, Monterey, Mexico. Uh, we were at Arena. Uh, it was the Arena in Monterey. I can't have the name of it, but it was the, the huge arena. Mm-hmm. And uh, our interpreter kept getting it wrong. Uh, he said, we were saying, now, tomorrow night, we're all going to be handcuffed together and we're going to be breaking police handcuffs chained together. And I can't, I don't speak Spanish. Right. And, but I do know the difference between handcuff and wife. Esposa <laughs> is wife. Okay. Esposa is handcuffed. Well, our interpreter was getting it wrong and said, tomorrow night we'll be breaking our wives. <laughs> and the men were standing up screaming and cheering us why are they cheering? And the women are not, uh, the ladies and the, uh, and somebody came up and told us, well, <laughs> we're, we're, we're cracking up because it was video. We went back to the hotel, watched it cracked up laughing. Oh, Next night, the arena's packed out. Our trip here got it right. We had, uh, several, the arena hall held about 5,000. Okay. There was about 800 people got saved that night. Uh, probably some that were cheering to have their wives broken, but <laughs> <laughs> but there was people saved. It was, I mean, I could go on and on. Some of the stories that have happened, yeah. uh, uh, just uh, all all different parts of the world where right. you just least expect things that you you go in with expectations, and God does something totally different. Mm-hmm. And that's that's that to me is one of the most exciting things. Always, always make yourself open to what God wants. Right. And you'll see the spectacular. Yeah, God is always doing something. You know, if we allow him to, he will do it. So moving on to your other parts of your life that you did, you were nationally and internationally Mm -hmm. on television. Tell us about that. You know, that was completely by accident. Was it? Uh, I was on on the 700 Club. I'd done local television in different parts of the country, mm-hmm. but it was on the 700 Club. Uh, we were in a crusade, Strike Force crusade, in Gulf Shores, Alabama, in 1993, and we were we had rented a school auditorium, and they threw us out. The school did. <laughs> they said you can't preach you can't preach the gospel in the school. Well, yeah, you can, and that was at the Lamb's Chapel. Uh, right at that same time and Jay Seculo heard about what had happened, okay. went in and sued the Baldwin County school system, Baldwin County, Alabama, and said, No, you cannot discriminate. If you let this group rent the building, you have to let a, a religious church or any other organization rent it. And they did. They we won the lawsuit. We went back, uh, had a great had a great meeting, uh second meeting because the first meeting only lasted one night and we went back and finished a four night meeting people were saved and we actually were well we are in pat robertson's book 
uh, I think it's the last chapter of the Turning Tide. Uh, mm-hmm. And we were featured on the 700 Club, and then it just evolved from there mm-hmm. uh, uh, on television in Canada. Um, I mean, you know, just different places. And it just, one of those things that just happened by, just really by uh, mm-hmm. happenstance. And got into being interviewed and from being interviewed into being the interviewer, mm. which was exciting. That's how I got started in television. Huh, cool. I like that. You know, you start off, and I, what I sense when I was hearing in my head is that you were a vessel that was willing to be used, and, you, you know, God just used you. Yeah. You know, just God, and God placed exactly. you in the places that he needed you to be that you didn't to work and connive and scheme to be in there. You just happened to be in the right place no. at the right time that the Lord has said, Hey, I'm going to do this in your life. Yeah, exactly. So moving on right now, we were talking about your television and stuff like that. And you mentioned it earlier about your wife, but let's go back to the, let's talk a little bit about you because you've been married for uh, 36 years now. 36, uh, in March, March of this year, Okay, uh, will be 36. 37. 37 years. And I'm, and I'm still alive. Yes. Let me live. And more appropriate <laughs> that your wife and kids are still alive. So you did good on both no, ends. They, uh, <laughs> they, uh, she's allowed me to live this long. That's right. <laughs> and you know, so, no, but you're not retired. You're not that old. I, you know, so no. you still got a long way to go. So before you oh. physically retire and say, okay, I'm done. You know, I'm just going to, prop up my fishing pole or my hunting rifle and just going to go do that. So one of the things you were talking about um, before is your television stuff. And I know that you were for 13 years, you were the host of the local TBN praise the Lord show in Fort Pierce. Tell us if you can read some of the stories and some of the, the guests that you've interviewed and, and you know how they maybe impacted your life a little bit. Well, again, that was one of those things that was just by happenstance or accident. Uh, I was being, I was, being interviewed uh, by a pastor that was uh, a friend for a number of years, mm-hmm. and we were we had started this uh, not really a campaign. It was right after nine eleven. Okay, uh, and we started this campaign of placing signs uh, with the Lord's Prayer, and no church affiliation on it, and a flag in one corner like the yard sale sign okay. uh, flag at one corner and a cross in the other. But we had a little sticker on the back. If you want more information to buy these signs and we had our church's name and phone number and uh, it was nothing that we did for to make any money. We made $0 on it, mm-hmm. but people were buying even Applebee's was putting it in their front yard hmm. in, uh, in Vero beach, Florida. Okay. Uh, restaurants. And that, yeah, that's completely out of the ordinary. Right. Uh, and it just had the Lord's Prayer. And I was on uh, TBN uh, trying to talk about what we were doing and the reason behind the signs. Well, the interviewer was more enamored with my friend who was with me, who was one of the world's strongest men. So they talked about themselves the whole time. And I'm waving the sign in front of them going, <laughs> hello. Hello, I got a minute and a half to talk about it. Uh, I went to the station manager. I was not mad. I was just frustrated because we, I think we missed an opportunity. Right. I said, 
what have you what have you got to do to be able to be a host? <laughs> Not thinking that they would ask me to do it, and they said, "Well, why don't you come in next week and try uh, try your hand at it?" So we did. My wife and I did what they call a mock interview. Is that nobody in the studio? You're in front of a camera, and you're basically pretending to open up the TV show. And the protocol is ship it out to California, let them approve it. Mm-hmm. And our friend Bob, he says, ah, "There's no need for that. Uh, uh, book him for next." Tuesday, I think it was a Tuesday mm-hmm. night. It was uh, Tuesday night. We'll give you all the details and who you're going to be interviewing, and that it just took off from there. I like to talk to people and find out their processes. Mm-hmm. You know, great, you're a pastor, you're an evangelist, you're a singer. That's wonderful. But what led you into that? I want to find out your process. People mm-hmm. are enamored with entertainers. I could care less about inter- their what they do in movies, music. Mm-hmm. Uh, TV, that doesn't impress me. How did you get to where you're at? Your process. Mm-hmm. What was your process? And especially in ministry, what is your process? You can, you, you need to be in a constant state of learning. Mm-hmm. And that was our whole goal with hosting, is not to be uh, walk in the Walmart or Target, hey, that's Pastor Jerry and right. Pastor Valerie and they're I could care less, mm-hmm. even though that happened a couple of times, and it was very awkward. <laughs> uh, a lady wanted me to pray for her daughter. I said, where is she at? Well, she's in jail. Uh, okay. And I'm trying to buy cold medicine for my daughter. <laughs> it's just one of those things that happened. Right. But I want people, I wanted to engage the audience watching that, okay, this guy went through this. I went through something similar. And he's a pastor. Just because you're a pastor, does you're not exempt from going through right. uh, tragedies or situations or whatever in life. Uh, I think sometimes we get too busy preaching the gospel instead of living the gospel. Right, true. And that and that's what we wanted. That was our whole platform and goal or aim for us, my wife and I, uh, being a host, to have people have churches on there that. You know, sometimes they want the mega churches, three and four, five thousand. But what about the guy that's got a church of a hundred or right. two hundred? What what is he doing to change his neighborhood or to change their world? See, we all live in worlds. Right. Uh, neighborhoods are little worlds. And a uh, dear friend of mine that unfortunately passed away a couple of years ago, Tom King, uh, was did not start it, but a a uh, it wasn't a homeless shelter, but it was a homeless resource center. They taught people how to get back on their feet mm-hmm. and had him on there. And just people were just blown away that something like this exists. It's not a, it's not a homeless shelter. It's a place for people who are homeless to learn how to get back on their feet again. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you don't, you don't get a lot of that on mainstream television or Christian television. Well, that was our whole goal. Mm-hmm. We want to, we want exposure for these people. Right. And we had a, we had a great run at it for 13, 13 mm. years. And you know, those shows that you talked about, I, I mean, I've seen so many shows be, because I've been there. I've been, I was there for the first praise the Lord show. Um, and all the way to the 2012. So I probably was there for all those stories that you were talking about, you know, it probably were probably. And I just can't remember them all because <laughs> there's after so many years, Cause that I the first show was in September of 1997. 
So, and then from there we went on. And then, as I said, I left TBN in 2012 in December. And then now I'm with Good Life 45 and they do some shows. But let's move into the direction of, which probably was a very rough time for you in your life because in 2005 you were diagnosed with blood cancer. Tell us the story pre that, that, and then afterwards. So we'll go into that kind of story. Well, it's, it's certainly not a word that you ever expect to hear. Right. Uh, cancer is one of the few words that we can say in English that needs no translation anywhere in the world. Mm. Uh, I can go to Russia. I could go to South America. I could go to, uh, you just, you pick a country, you name it. And I can say the word cancer. They know what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. And it was right after the twin hurricanes of experience, mm. Francis and Jean. Yep. I and it was uh, very devastating. Uh, we lost the house that we were living in because there was black mold everywhere. Ugh. We had, we had to move out. We moved out of the house. I had gotten had pneumonia and it just, I would get better get worse, get better, get worse, get better, get worse, losing weight and uh, back pain like I'd never had before. Now, I've been, I've been an athlete my whole life. I've lifted weights. I've hurt myself. And it was not like any muscle strain that I'd ever had. Uh, went to the emergency room. They said, well, it's probably a muscle strain. Take this and you'll feel better. And wasn't getting any better and a friend of ours at the church that we were at said, my doctor my boss is a is a surgeon orthopedic surgeon and I'm going to set it up for him for Jerry to go in and see him went in to see the doctor he said I need some x-rays and got the x-rays he said I don't like the looks of this but you have the back now I was 42 at the time because you have a back, you have the back of an 80 year old man. Wow! And so there are things, there's things going on that shouldn't. Ordered an MRI that was supposed to take 20 minutes, took an hour and a half. Did blood work. Got a phone call from the doctor who did the blood work. I said, "But I need you to be at the hospital right now. Your hemoglobin is at 4.6." Okay. And I said, okay, that's nice. Uh, what is that? He goes, well, that's your blood volume. Okay, well, I'm just, I know nothing about that. So right. I just hung up the phone, called my wife, said, this is what the doctor said. And, but yeah, I'm just going to take a vacation. I'm going to go on vacation. And, well, she called a few people. She called one of my friends, Curtis Bryant, who was at that time held the world bench press record. Uh, 5'11", 300-plus-pound man. Uh, and he says, you're going to the hospital. And I told him, no, I'm not. Uh, well, I didn't have enough blood in my body to produce oxygen to go to my brain. You don't tell a guy that big you're not going to do something. Right. <laughs> Convinced me to go. They started running tests, and the ER doc said, ah, this is not internal bleeding. I got a suspicion this is, some type, this is a type of cancer. And I want uh, uh, oncologists to come in. And I said, if you're going to do that, I want you to call this lady. 
She's an oncologist because I know her. Did a bone marrow biopsy, came back on the, I believe it was the 16th of June of 2005. And she said, I've got bad news. This is tested positive for multiple myeloma, blood cancer, and took my wife outside and said, he's got, he's got three months, three months to live, but if he makes it through the next three months, we're going to send him to Tampa, to Moffitt Cancer Center, and uh, do uh, a tandem stem cell transplant. That's a lot of words for what they were going to do. They take your own stem cells, treat them, and reintroduce them to basically make a new immune system is what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Uh, they hit you with high dose chemotherapy, which wipes everything out. I was in isolation, uh, to shorten a long story is that I made it to three months, uh, come close a couple of times of not making it and did the stem cell transplant. It worked, lost a ton of weight. And I said, ton of weight. I went from 210 to 150, 155 pounds, mm -hmm. just Weight had just I because I couldn't eat. Right, didn't right. Feel like eating. Didn't want to eat. Let me interject to something here for a second. Um, I, something I remember. It's been in my mind, and you'll probably be able to tell me the time frame. We there was an event that you went to. I don't. I can't. All I can remember seeing in my mind was like a field. You were in a wheelchair, and I think you had an IV coming down into you, and you were very, very thin, and very gray looking. Do you remember when that was? Yeah. That time period. Well, I don't. I don't remember the event. I don't even know what it was for. But you were there. I remember it. Well, they were doing a fundraiser for me. Oh, is that what the they were doing? We were on. Okay. Yeah, and uh, I didn't have health insurance. Ah. Uh, and they were doing fundraisers to try to help with uh, covering costs, living costs, and all that. Yeah, I was in a wheelchair. Yeah. Well, let me say that. Let me say this to the people that are listening right now. You know, sometimes people hear miracles. Oh, that was great. You know, it was good. Good. Well, I knew this guy, Jerry, that I'm talking to right now at that time period. When I seen him in a wheelchair and with the IV and very thin, because I remember him being, you know, bodybuilder type of shape. He looked like he was on the verge of death. That I thought that would probably be the last time I would ever see Jerry West ever again, because he—that's what he looked like. I mean, that's exactly the picture that's in my mind right now. Well, you know, I'm sure there were a lot of people that thought the same thing, because that's—I mean—that's just human nature, right? Uh, I did go through the first transplant; was great uh, as far as working. Mm -hmm. uh, the high dose chemo is just—I mean, it—it it just it takes its toll on your body. Right. They sent me home because there's a three month period of just go home, recuperate, come back, do the second one. Mm -hmm. I did the second one and it almost killed me. I had oh. an allergic reaction to the chemotherapy. Oh. And uh, I mean, it is not only suppressed my immune system; it shut it down completely, where it could not restart. My doctor was out of town on vacation, and these other doctors are just, uh, Moffitt is a great hospital. They will come up with an answer. Mm -hmm. And we all kind of put our heads together and said, you know, let's try this. She came back and said, yeah, let's do this. They started this other treatment, 
uh, shots. I had to do two shots a day in my stomach, uh, which really wasn't painful. But when you're down that low in weight, it hurts. Mm. Uh, it's like it was like an insulin shot, basically. Right. Uh, started recovering, but let, let me go back, Kevin. Before okay. I forget, I remember when I was first diagnosed uh, in June of '05. Uh, when somebody tells you, you you're not going to make it, right. you've got cancer or whatever, uh, I hear these guys talk about, well, you know, all you got to have is faith. Yeah, you'll find out what faith is about when you have to go through something. Mm. You, you could talk a real good game about, I've got faith. Let me hit you with some bad news, and let's see how you react or respond. Right. To respond to respond as positive, to react as negative. Uh, I don't remember how long I was out. Now, I don't mean passed out, but I mean just, I, I wasn't aware of anything going on around me. Mm. Uh, but during that time, I literally heard the voice of the Lord said, son, the sickness is not going to end. <clears throat> Excuse me. The sickness is not going to end in death. You're going to go through some things, mm. but I'm getting all the glory. Three different people that I was knew very well came in at three different times that week and said almost word for word the same thing. Mm, and that's what we held on to. Yeah, exactly. Confirmation. We held on to that. Even when it didn't look good, that second round of the transplant, they sent me home. My immune system recovered just enough for okay. He can go home, but we're going to have to monitor him. And I'm thinking, well, they're just sending me home to either live or die. I don't know if there's going to be an in-between. Right. And had still, I had to have blood transfusions every few days. Uh, a friend of mine had sent me this stuff, this holistic stuff. I started using it and started really kick-started my immune system. And... The doctors were just amazed because, man, he's really making a turnaround. And this was in, I believe it, August. I'm gradually getting stronger. My wife had gone back to work, and it was December of 06. I am I'm sitting in my uh, recliner just trying to recover. Mm-hmm. And a man that I knew through another person, I didn't know him personally, but we knew who each other were, a man by the name of Dan Crouch, was talking about uh, his wife going through uh, an ordeal with cancer that uh, was not good. He said, but we, you know, we stood on the word, and he said, we stood on this one scripture, and it was Nahum chapter 1, verse 9, and, and he, didn't, he didn't quote it. Uh, Nahum, well, that's not a healing scripture. You know, we're always taught the healing scriptures. Right. My Bible was sitting sitting next to me and I picked it up and I looked it up and I read it and it says what do you conspire against the Lord he will make another end of it affliction will not come back a second time well, I, I've i heard the stories I've experienced healing in my life but not to this degree right. it was like electricity had went through my body I had, to, I had a special chair that I pushed the button it would help stand me up mm-hmm. well, I didn't have to push the button I literally jumped out of the chair, uh, called my wife, and told her what had happened. She called the doctor. The doctor wants blood work. 
we need more blood work, get more blood work. And she says, we can't find any evidence of cancer in your body. Wow. Praise God. And that was, that was just before Christmas of, of 06, 07. We were on a plane to Dallas to celebrate uh, a friend of mine, his uh, anniversary of his church. Spent some time in Dallas, came home, and just got back in the swing of things and in traveling ministry. And we've been like, said, uh, this is our, <clears throat> excuse me, this is our 31st Jeez. year of ministry. So you had one year of challenges. <laughs> it was almost, almost two years. Eight, 18 months. Oh. It felt a lot longer. Yeah, I'm sure it did. And when you were in the fire, you know. But God was there with exactly. you through the whole thing. And it was great for that word that you were saying about the confirmation with the three people, you know, that, you know, this too shall pass, basically. You know, exactly. What it was. That's cool. What I want to do in closing right now is I want you to reach out to our listeners and maybe sure. somebody is dealing with something that they feel like there is no hope. There, This is the end for them. Let's um, pray for them and uh, go from. we'll go from there. Well, God promises us things. Uh, and preachers, pastors are not exempt from those things that we have to go through. Uh, there was a lot of things that God promised me that I told him. I said, because there's no promises to fulfill. <clears throat> you try to say that again. There's no promises to fulfill in heaven. Because if everything that needs to be done has already been done. Right. Uh, since 2007, my my daughter was, has been married 11 years. She has two beautiful children. Uh, I have a, a great son-in-law. My son is married. It's a beautiful wife, and they have a dog. That's their child. They don't have children yet. And, you know, those are, you know, those are just little, uh, right. not even accomplishments, but little things along the way that promises of God. And if you're listening and you feel like God's forgotten you, I, I know what you feel like. I, I felt I felt forgotten. Uh, 2000. 18 and 2019, yeah, I felt forgotten by God. Uh, I had an underlying heart problem caused from chemotherapy. I broke my leg last year in a, in a freak accident, just literally by falling in a parking lot. And I now have a pacemaker. Well, that's not faith talk. You have something in your chest. Yeah, it's keeping me alive. It's keeping my, I don't have a heart problem per se as what some people would. It just, it keeps the heartbeat regulated. Mm -hmm. It doesn't spike up and down. It was very, it was a very dark time for, uh, for me personally. I personally felt like God forgot me. Well, well pastors and preachers aren't supposed to talk that way. No, well, actually, a lot of us, if we got honest, we do. Mm -hmm. I, I felt uh, for a long time out in church every Sunday uh, here in Atlanta. Uh, and if I'm not in church, I'm usually at my daughter's house in Nashville, but still felt for sitting in a church service felt forgotten. I bet a lot of you sitting at home, you go to church and you feel forgotten too. Hey, we're, we're in the same boat. We're all there together till, <coughs> excuse me, 
till just recently. Uh, and neither are you. Uh, and it just comes down to the point of whether you want to believe that God still loves you. And I know he still loves me and he's not forgotten me. I just got to work through that, that season and we're coming out of that season. And that's you. You need healing. Or maybe you're that person that's dealing with depression. Maybe you're, maybe you're the one I'm talking to that you, you feel forgotten. Good news. You're not forgotten. And my wife's just walked into the living room and she's joined me and we're going to join together. <coughs> and excuse me, I'm in Atlanta where the weather changes. If you don't like the weather in Atlanta, Georgia, wait a minute. Wait a minute. It'll, change, it, yeah. it'll change. Last <laughs> week, 70s, tornadoes, flooding. Day and a half later, three inches of snow. <laughs> right now, it's going to hit going to, tomorrow. It will be in the 20s. So oh. it, it's messing with my voice. But <laughs> that's okay. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll push through this. We'll push through. Uh, We'll push through this. Uh, let me pray for those that listening that you're dealing with this. Father, in the name of Jesus, you didn't forget us. You conquered death. You conquered hell. You conquered the grave for us. You haven't forgotten us. When I was laying in bed dying of cancer, you didn't forget me. Last year when they found out I had a issue with my heart, you didn't forget me. For the person that's listening, you're dealing with those things and then some. Maybe it's depression. God's not forgotten you. It's the joy, not the happiness of the Lord. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Happiness is a happening, but joy is forever. He's not forgotten you. And if that's you, you said, God, I feel like you forgot me. He's not upset with you. He's not mad. Just ask him to help you. That's all he's, that's all, that's all he would ask for is for you to ask him to help you. We all have that. We all, we all have to cross that at some point. Some people we have to, some of us, we have to do it every day. Lord, you know, each and every one of them, you know, them by name. It says in Isaiah that you have tattooed, etched, indelibly etched, tattooed our name in the palm of your hand. So we're always before you. Our names are always in front of you. Touch that person that has a heart issue, cancer, diabetes. There's somebody out there just, you've had a stroke and you don't feel useful. Yes, you are. You're dealing with self-esteem issues. Your self-esteem doesn't come from man. It comes from God. You are who he says you are. You're a child of God. You're the righteousness of God. You're a child of the King. And don't ever forget that. I'm asking you, by the power of the Holy Spirit, to reach down and touch each and every one that's listening to my voice. I'm nobody special. I just chose to be used by you. You touch them. You make them complete, make them well, and make them whole. And we give you praise and glory and honor for everything that you're going to do today, in the days and weeks, and even the years to come. 
I'm asking you to add years to someone's life. It feels like they have no nothing to nothing to do. Add years to their life. Add more accomplishments in their latter years than they had in their former. In Jesus' name, Amen. Thank you. Well, guys, you've been listening to the Millennium Beat with your host Kevin James, where we like to encourage the world one story at a time. And we like to thank our guest today, Jerry West, for being on. Well, Kevin, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure. It's been an honor to hear your voice and catch up. All right, man. Well, everybody, again, this is the Millennium Beat. We will see you and talk to you guys next week with some more interesting stories from around the world. God bless. This has been a Millennium Beat LLC production, copyright 2020. The views and opinions of the guests are not always the views and opinions of the Millennium Beat LLC. If you have any interesting stories, please write us at stories at themillenniumbeat.com or call us with a voicemail at 407-624-9957. Again, this has been the Millennium Beat with your host, Kevin James. We'll see you next week with more interesting stories from around the world because we like to encourage the world one story at a time.